Welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman, the podcast dedicated to helping you build the business of your dreams and live the life you always hoped for, with valuable and fun tips and info to make your life easier and more fun. And now, here's your host, a man who sprinkles metal shavings on his breakfast cereal just for fun, Jason Silverman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. I'm your host, Jason Silverman, and I'm thrilled to share some time with you once again today. As you know, I'm always, always on the hunt for interesting as well as super smart Real Deal guests. And i got to tell you, today's show is an absolute knockout. I want to introduce my listeners to somebody who's truly been there and done that, and I'm excited to pick her brain for your benefit today, as well as my own, actually. So for the folks who I work with in any of my coaching programs, my mastermind groups, or through Powerful Words Character Development or All-Star Cheer sites, you know how much I focus on the importance of a sound and strategic financial plan for your business as well as your life, right? Well, the show is going to help us to do just that. So today it's going to be my honor and privilege to share an amazing resource with you. You're going to love today's guest. She's got a ton of valuable information and I feel like it's a topic that's not nearly covered enough. So I want you to strap yourself in. Today's show is going to be a blast. As I'm sure you already know, I'm committed to helping business owners just like you to become more successful, enjoy your career more, and in general, make your life significantly more fun. As far as I'm concerned, we only get one ride around this merry-go-round, and we want to make sure it's one hell of a ride, right? Alrighty, boys and girls, it is now that time. I want you to stop surfing Facebook, put away your phone, your tablet, your dog, your cat, your spouse, your child, anything that might significantly distract you from today's show. You're about to get some great and immediately implementable information, and I don't want you to miss even a second of it. So before we officially get going, let me give you a little bit of background about our special guest today. Attorney Shannon McNulty founded the Manhattan law firm City Parents Legal Planning to provide convenient, high-quality estate planning services for busy urban parents. She's also the founder of the website <coughs> savvy parents an online resource that empowers parents to make smart legal and financial decisions for their families. Ms. McNulty received her LLM in taxation from New York University School of Law and graduated cum laude from Georgetown University Law Center. She's also earned the Certified Financial Planner designation. Ms. McNulty has appeared as a legal commentator on MSNBC and has been published on Forbes.com. Shannon, welcome to The Real Deal. I'm thrilled to have you today. Thanks so much, Jason. I'm so happy to be here. Ah, fabulous, fabulous. Listen, before we get started, for those who haven't yet had the opportunity and pleasure of either meeting you or hearing you speak, do me a favor. Take a second and share your story with our listeners. What are you passionate about? What makes you tick? Who is Shannon McNulty? Uh, I think there are a couple of things that really make me tick. One is helping people. I love helping people, and the type of work that I do is incredibly rewarding, by helping parents make sure that their families are taken care of, uh, they're just really, they leave with such peace of mind. Um, so that's just so great for me. Um, the other thing is family is super important to me. And so that's another reason why I think it, the type of work I do is really fitting for me to make sure that our family members are always taken care of. And finally, I think creating, um, building something from scratch from a vision has been, and it's not something that I, I had originally worked for a law firm or a big law firm for many years. And I know I hadn't previously thought of myself as a business owner, but once I decided to do that and 
I had a vision and implemented it. It's just been such a great experience. Oh, I love this. I love this. Well, you, you are most certainly the real deal here. So, uh, let's, let's dig in. Cause, uh, I've, I've actually got a bunch of questions that I think, um, you know, personally and selfishly, I want to know. Um, and I know that my listeners will as well. So, you know, you've got a, a very specific niche focusing on families with young children. You know, why did you choose this specific demographic to work with? Yeah, I get that question a lot because I think that I'm, I might be the only law firm in the whole country that specifically focuses on this demographic and this area of law. Um, I think primarily it's that it's a demographic that's really underserved. So when we hear about estate planning, we usually are talking about when we hear it in the media, um, and we hear lawyers talking about it, we're usually talking about people who are retired, people who other times it's people who are very elderly, who might be going into a nursing home. But estate planning is just as important, if not even more important for families with young children. Because in these families, Children are literally dependent on their parents for survival, right? We feed them, bathe them, clothe them, put a roof over their heads. So if something happens to the parents, the children are entirely helpless. So it's super important that there's a plan in place to make sure that those kids are taken care of. Wow. Well, let me ask uh, from a business perspective, you know, do you find that there's a benefit to having such a narrow niche? I mean, you just said you're probably one of the only firms in the country doing this. Yeah. I mean, I think that it does allow you to really reach out specifically to a particular group. Um, and I think that when they see that, and and honestly, part of it is that this demographic, often they just put it off. Or they don't know where to turn to. They don't want to go to a big law firm. It's kind of intimidating. And like I said, a lot of the estate planning lawyers focus on people who, uh, who are retired or older and so I think they, they don't really know well, who should I go to for somebody who would uh, do the type of planning that I would need. And so I think that by providing that and saying, here, we, we serve people just like you, like you're the pe- people who we're primarily um, serving, and that allows my marketing to be much more focused. And I think it also, it allows me to provide a higher level of service. And I think as, you know, anybody who's in business, if you're trying to serve everybody well, you're not going to serve anybody well. So by providing a service that's really tailored, I can dig really deep in, ter- in terms of what that client base needs. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, would you say that there are any other ways in which, you know, your particular law firm, you know, I guess differentiates itself from other firms? Yeah, when I created my law firm, I looked around to see, you know, what what are other law firms doing? And law the area of law is very traditional and very conventional. And so I saw a lot of really stuffy law firms and and also my experience in law firms, they're they're very old-fashioned and they take a long time to innovate. And so what I wanted to do was to create a law firm that was um, today. It was up with the times. It was what clients are expecting these days, what consumers are expecting. Uh, it's responsive. It's friendly. It's warm. It's technologically savvy. So all of these things were things that I had in mind when I created my law firm. Totally makes sense. Really, really does. Let me, um, as far as getting into 
you know, the primary topic of this interview, what would you say are the key things that parents should have in place to make sure their families are taken care of, you know, in the event of an untimely death or the disability of a parent? Uh, I think there are five primary documents that I think every parent should have in place. Um, those are a will, a trust, a standby guardianship designation, a power of attorney, and a healthcare proxy. And I want to talk a little bit about each of those, but I wanted to list them out just so they stand out in people's minds. Um, the first is a will. So the most, I think people, everyone is familiar with a will. It uh, directs who should receive your assets if you passed away. Um, the other part of a will, which is really important if you have parents with, if you're um, a parent with the young child, is to make sure that your will has a guardianship designation, that it includes who you would pick to take care of your kids if something did happen to you. Um, and if you don't have a, if you have children and you don't have a will that includes a guardianship designation, I would say that's, should be one of your really top priorities to get done. Uh, the second document is a trust, and this is usually incorporated into your will, but it can be separate. And a lot of people have a misconception that a trust is something for uber wealthy families like the Kennedys or the Rockefellers, but that really couldn't be further from the truth. A trust provides a lot of benefits, particularly to parents with young kids. And the reason is that children under the age of 18 are not legally capable of managing assets. So any assets that are left to them are held in an account that's supervised by the court. So this means that the court appoints someone to administer the assets until the child turns 18. And each year, a report is filed that details how much money is in each child's account, um, how the assets are held, and how the money is being spent. So for example, um, Say that a child is left an inheritance of half a million dollars and the court appoints um, an uncle or an aunt to oversee the assets. That, um, let's say an aunt, that aunt would have to file yearly reports with the court saying, okay, there is um, half a million dollars in this account that's being held for the child. Um, it's being held in XYZ stock or bonds, and certain amount is being... And then it would detail how much money was being spent on what for the child. So if there was money being spent on the child's school tuition, that would be in there. If there was money being spent on daycare or a nanny, it would specify who that was going to and how much was being spent, how much was being spent on clothing, etc. So that it, it can one provide, it can impose a burden on the person who's trying to help your children out. And even the more important thing is those reports are actually public information. So they're a matter of public record. So anybody can go in and see, you know, how much money this child has or has coming to them and where it's being held and how it's being spent. And I think 
particularly in a day and age where we know how important data is and how it can be misused, it's really disturbing that that type of information can be in the public domain. Yeah. That, that's, that's just scary on every level. I know, right? And it used to not be, I think, as big of a problem because you had to personally go to the clerk's office and ask for these documents and they might know who you are. But now a lot of states and a lot of counties are putting these documents online. So you don't even necessarily even have to go and know how to get those documents. You can just do a search online and find them. So I think it's becoming more of a problem. Um, the other issue is that if you have more than one child um, and they inherit the assets directly, usually either if you don't have a will, then your assets go by whatever the state default rules are. So usually it would say, you know, maybe it's divided equally among your children. Um, or even if you have just a will and it says, I leave, it, leave my assets equally to my children, those assets are divided um, and separated out for each child with a strict division. So assets that are left to one child couldn't be used for the benefit of their siblings. And this often can be perfectly fine. You know, there's two people think, okay, well, they're divided equally. That makes a lot of sense. That's fair. But the thing is, we're you don't know what's going to happen for your children um, in a long length of time. And so if one child develops some kind of medical condition or a disability and then needs more resources than the other children, there's no flexibility to use resources allocated to one child for the other child um, who has a greater need. So that can be a real problem. Um, and that's another issue that having a trust in place can address because when you have um, assets left to a trust, you designate a trustee who administers the trust and then they can make distributions to any of your children depending on according to each child's need. So it's a lot, um, a lot more flexible and I think it ensures a lot more fairness in the distributions of your assets. That makes sense. And then the final reason why um, a lot of people think would put their leave their assets to a trust is, of course, they don't want their child to receive um, unrestricted asset access to a large inheritance at the age of 18, right? I don't know if you know any 18-year-olds, but <laughs> if I had a large sum of money, I'm probably not going to entrust it to them. Yeah, I'm thinking a lot of bad decisions are about to happen that way. Exactly. So having a trust allows you to specify the age at which the child would then receive control of the assets, which generally people do not choose the age of 18. <laughs> I'm thinking uh, 42 sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I do have clients that are like, do you think 40 is too old? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that. I totally get that. And what other, I just want to mention these a couple other documents that are important as well, in addition to the will and the trust, are a standby guardianship designation. And this is, uh, goes into effect if you have, if you're incapacitated. Say you're in a car accident and you're in, um, a coma in the hospital and you're not able to take care of your child, then having, a, your will doesn't go into effect because that's only effective if you pass away. But if you have a standby guardianship designation, it 
appoint someone to take legal custody of your children um, while you're incapacitated. And the other two documents are a power of attorney that allows uh, somebody who you trust to make financial decisions for uh, for your assets. So a lot of things that we make monthly payments for, our mortgage, our, um, you know, our daycare, schools, our children's even after-school activities, right? Um, all of these things we pay every month, but what would happen if we were suddenly in the hospital and conscious? Who would make those payments? So the mortgage could go unpaid, your kids' childcare. Um, so all of these things that are really important to be, uh, to be taken care of, all of a sudden there's nobody there to take care of them. So by having a power of attorney, it allows someone to pick up and make those payments for you while you're not able to do that. And then the final document is a uh, healthcare proxy, and that um, allows someone who you've chosen to make medical decisions for you if you're unable to make those yourself. So those are the five key documents I feel like every every parent should have in place is the will, the trust, the standby guardianship designation, the power of attorney, and the healthcare proxy. And just to mention Quickly, sometimes the, depending on the state, the standby guardianship designation is included in the power of attorney. So in some states, you would so it just be four instead of five. Yes, exactly. Makes sense. What would you say are the biggest, um, obstacles that get in the way for parents in putting one of these plans in place? Uh, I think there's a couple. I think the, one of the biggest is time. I know if you have young kids, you know that Time is so precious and is something you never have enough of, and there's always things that you need to do, um, and a lot of things get pushed off and just don't get done. So I think that time is a big issue. But I think, you know, and if you've been, as I have been, a student of business planning and strategy and implementation, that you have things that are urgent and then you have things that are important. And estate planning and legal planning are often in that category of really important but not urgent. And so a lot of parents, they put it off thinking, well, I can just do it another time. And unfortunately for some, you know, in some cases it, it doesn't get done and something happens to the, the parent in the meantime. So that's, I, I would say, one of the biggest obstacles. Um, part of it for other people, it might be the fear of, um, facing the reality of our mortality. They don't want to even think about that something could happen to them and that there wouldn't be somebody there, not just somebody there, but they wouldn't be able to take care of their children. So that's something that they can't even get wrapped their, their minds around, so they just ignore it. And then the other thing I think is can be an obstacle is choosing a guardian. And I think that that's the hardest decision of all of these things when I'm doing planning for parents is they have a difficult time choosing a guardian. So um, so often they will, they'll just put it off until they can make that decision. But I think that what's important to recognize is that choosing, you know, choosing anybody is better than the court choosing somebody. <laughs> Always. Right. Like you're probably going to make a better decision, even if it's, you know, not the 
the number one person, maybe if it's the number two person, there's probably not going to be all that much difference, right? So, um, but having, making sure that it's somebody who you're choosing. So even if you put somebody in there and you can always change it later, that's what I always tell parents is just, just get something in place and then you can always change your mind later. Okay. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. While, while we're talking about, you know, obstacles and stuff, what are, what are some of the common mistakes that you've seen for, um, parents make in, in estate planning? Um, well, I think the number one thing is definitely not having a plan at all. And, uh, so that I think would be the biggest mistake and probably the most common one, I would say. Uh, the second one I would say is not having a trust in place. It's just leaving the assets directly to the children, um, because they don't really understand, well, what does that mean? And what some problems can be that I, that I had mentioned before, um, and what the benefits that the trust can provide. I think that's fair. That's totally fair. You know, let me, let me shift this conversation a little bit because, you know, I know my listeners are, are business owners. So are there things that are important for owners to know in particular, you know, to be aware of in the area of legal planning? Absolutely. So one of the things that I see a lot, and this isn't a, really estate planning, but it is legal planning. Um, part of what we look at is not just what happens to your assets if you passed away, but also um, protecting your assets while you're alive. And once you start a business, you're really opening yourself up to a lot of liability that you otherwise maybe wouldn't have um, just as a regular employee. So all of a sudden, you can get sued by employees, you can get sued by customers, and you know, without anything in place, they can, those lawsuits go, uh, directly to you as a person, as an individual, they can reach your individual assets. So they can take your house, they can take anything in your bank account. So, um, you really want to, that, that's like a really bad outcome. So what you want to do is make sure that there's some legal protection in place. So if you operate your business through a legal entity, um, usually like an LLC or an S corporation, that those entities will provide protection so that if something happens in your business, those claims can only reach whatever assets are in your business. They can't reach your personal assets. So they can never reach your house or your um, any money that you have saved. So all of those things are protected. Um, but I think it's that's one of those things that it's an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of care. So how does this is this is actually you know purely uh, uh, purely personal on this? But are you able to actually move your if you if you own homes um, in your name? Can you move them into a trust? Uh, yes, you can. There's different types of trusts. So um, if you have a revocable living trust, that's often you can put your house into that, um, but that's not going to protect it from creditors. I think that that's a common misperception is that putting something, putting like a personal asset into a trust can protect it from creditors, but that, that actually it's, um, it's very rare that that would actually be protected. The only way it can be protected is if uh, say you have an investment property and you move that into a trust for your children um, then that would be protected from claims against you. But there, 
there are some drawbacks to doing that because once you put it in an irrevocable trust, which is that that would be the type of trust that you would use, um, you have reduced control over that asset and you can't just take money back from it. So for so asset protection in that instance can be a little bit more complicated. If that's what, is that what you were saying? Yeah, it, yeah, it really was. Actually. Yeah, so it, unfortunately, it's not that easy to just, you know, some people say, oh, well, I'll just put my house in an LLC and then it'll be protected or my car or something. And um, unfortunately, that, that's not really uh, an effective way of protecting your assets. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. I want to uh, I want to shift gears again because uh, you really sparked my interest before with, um, you know, your other business that you run. So in addition to the law practice, you founded uh, Savvy-Parents.com, right? So yes. tell me a little bit about it. You know, why'd you, why'd you start it? What's the goal? What's this all about? So that website, SavvyParents.com, is um, an informational resource for parents to go and learn about legal and financial issues that are important to their families. And I really started it because I just got so many questions about, these topics and there wasn't another source, an online source, um, where parents could go to get this type of information. And, you know, a lot of people, they don't want to necessarily call a lawyer or a financial advisor if they just have a question about a, a very specific, um, maybe college savings or something like that. So this is a way that they can just go online and get some answers to those questions without having to go into a financial advisor's office or a lawyer's office. Um, I mean, it's not, you know, professional financial or legal advice, but at least it provides um, a groundwork, you know, some groundwork where they can get some foundational education. Um, and then maybe they decide, Maybe they decide to do the planning themselves or they decide to go into a financial advisor's office or a lawyer's office to help them. And at least they know uh, they have a, a, some basic information about the topics that they're, they need help with. This is brilliant. You know, as, as, as I'm perusing this, it, it, you're really arming people with the right information. Yeah, and it's a way for me also to reach and to help parents beyond just my legal services. You know, I only practice in New York. And so, but I, you know, this can be really helpful to parents anywhere. So I think that's, it, it just is a great resource and there was nothing like it when I looked to, to find something. So, uh, so I figured, well, why not start it myself? That's brilliant. There, there's a business lesson right there. So it's www.savvy-parents.com. So savvy-parents.com. This is fabulous. Folks, you, you've got to take some time up here. Get up here. There is a uh, there's just a plethora of information. I love this. Fabulous, Thanks, fabulous. Jason. Absolutely. Okay, so tell me this. You know, I, I always like to end my podcast with what I consider to be a somewhat telling question. So, if you could give just one piece of advice to entrepreneurs to either help them build a better business or to make their lives easier and more balanced, what would that piece of advice be? You know, I think it would be the same both for your business and personally, and that is prioritize. Um, decide what's the most important, what's the, what's the most important to you. I think in your personal life, what are your values and what is, um, what is it that's most important to prioritize that? And then as well in your business, 
to decide, well, what's most important, what's most effective uh, for my business, and to be working on those things. And by doing that, it, I think it allows you to be a lot more focused, and it also allows you to be okay with choices that you make, you know, like you might decide, well, I want to put more time into my family and, you know, cut back a little bit on my business or something but by realizing that that's a priority and a choice that you're making. Then I feel, feel like you're much less likely to beat yourself up over it and say, oh, well, I'm not working on my business as much as I should. Well, yeah, that's because you made a choice that you want to spend more time with your family. So I think there are trade-offs and everything, and so you can nobody can do everything. So I think by prioritizing both in your business and in your life, it just makes everything um, a lot better, a lot better. It's fabulous, absolutely. So, folks, one one quick thought, um, and I, I've worked with a lot of my mastermind members on this, and you know this. This interview is, is serendipitous in that I feel that right now, if you are not taking the mo- taking the time to either protect yourself or at least get everything prepared, um, you're really not doing yourself, your family, or your business justice. So please take action on this. Um, if if your first step needs to be get up there to savvy-parents.com, do that. Um, Arm yourself with the information, arm yourself with the understanding on why this is not a should do, but a must do. So this has been fabulous. Shannon, thank you so much for joining me today. I know how busy your schedule is, and it means the world to me that you share some of your uh, your time and your wisdom with us. Oh, thank you, Jason. I really enjoyed it. Me as well. All right, folks, that is all the time we've got today. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Real Deal. For more information about private coaching or to see if you'd benefit from one of our mastermind groups, visit me over at www.jasonmsilverman.com. I look forward to helping you achieve the success that you truly deserve. Until next time, let me leave you with this. Get out there and be the real deal. Set a goal, make a plan, work like hell towards it, and achieve the success that's waiting for you. Now's the time. Get out there and make it happen. Go get them. This has been Jason Silverman, and I hope you have a spectacular week. You've been listening to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. To access the great resources mentioned in the show and for information on coaching and mastermind group opportunities with Jason, please visit jasonmsilverman.com.